up, everybody? Hey, keep clapping. I want to welcome everyone at all our locations. Scott's edition, I love you. Honored to church with you, Chesterfield County Jail, men and women of the Department of Corrections in our lobby. It's great to have church with you. Hey, go on and look at your neighbor and say you're looking real good today. Looking real good. Not just good, but real good. Hey, if we have not gotten to meet, uh, my name is Jason, and I get the honor uh, and the privilege to serve on this team, but then get to be a part of our Scott's Edition location. So Scott's Edition, how y'all doing today? Oh yeah, I can hear you. That's good. Loud. Rowdy bunch down there. Hey, um, I love what God is doing uh, in the life of our church and what we get to see and what we get to be a part of. You even like Easter things going on. And um, man, I know we got baptisms happening today. And so we got a lot of people here visiting because of baptism. So if you are getting baptized today, I will let you know when it's time to go. So no need to worry. Just sit back, relax. I'll let you know. Uh, and then you heard Pastor Brandon talk about next. So we've got these commitment cards. If anybody needs one, you can shoot up your hand. Our, our, uh, our host team will be glad to bring you one. But I would just encourage you to take this, if you have one already, um, and take it home and pray over it. Maybe put it on your fridge. Uh, I know many of you made the commitment last year, and we've got a lot of new people, and we're going in halfway through into this season. But God is doing some really special things in the life of our church. And so we're really just getting prepared for all that's to come. We're experiencing God in a, in a big way. And so that's what this is, is preparing for the future. So, um, you know, it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. So take that home, pray over it, see what it is that God would have you do. We'll be doing that in two weeks. But we're in this series about next, about next. And so what next does is it gives us a forward thinking mindset. We're in the now, but we're looking ahead. We know that there is a future. You know, Isaiah 43, 19 says, see, I am doing a new thing, the Lord says. That's in your life, in your family, in this church, in this city, God is doing a new thing. Question is, do we perceive it? Do we see it? Are we aware of it? And that's what next is really about. It's saying God is doing a new thing, an exciting thing in our church, and we want to be ready for all that he's doing. If you're new here today, you'll, you'll hear us say that we exist so people can know God, find freedom, and make a difference. You might not know this, but you were hardwired. God designed you. He made you to want to make a difference. You might not even know that. You might be here today and be like, definitely not me. No, definitely you. God designed you. He hardwired you. He put that inside you, the, the desire, the need, the want to make an impact, to make a difference. And so today we're going to continue in our series with the motivation that the Bible uses over and over and over again. It's the motivation that changes how you live. It changes how you see things, how you look at life. This motivation has caused Christianity, like no other faith, to make a difference all around the world. It's caused radical generosity. It's motivated people to, to serve, to help the hurting, to feed the poor, to, to help during disaster and crisis, to go all over the world, to love those that no one loves, to put others above themselves. It's a motivation that once we obtain it, it will radically change how we live. I know many of you have heard of a man named Paul in the New Testament before. He was Paul. He was Saul. Saul's goal, Saul's mission was to wipe out Christianity. He loved to do that. was his passion, was to find Christians. He uh, dragged people out of homes, and, and they would kill them. They would kill Christians. But everything changed in Saul's life when he encountered Jesus. Many of us can say the same thing in this room, no matter what room you're in, online, watching Scott's Edition. Everything changed when you encountered 
Jesus. Right? We know that his name became Paul. He ended up just really going after God, pursuing after him. But the thing that happened, just like you and I, when we encountered Jesus, was that his perspective changed. His view changed. He went from trying to eliminate Christians to begin to spread the gospel of Jesus everywhere. Two very different things. And as you know, Paul ended up writing a majority of the New Testament. Now, here in Acts 20, Paul is actually saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. He says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul's words are like, listen, I'm not worried about what's coming because I know it's going to be bad. I've been writing these things in prison already, and I know when I go to another town, it's probably going to be prison. There's going to be beat. There's, it's just going to, it's not going to be good, but I want to complete the task. I want to finish the race. I want to tell people the good news of Jesus. He was all in. Paul went from living in the moment to living in light of eternity, living with eternity as his focus. Second Corinthians says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Now, if you and I can realize this, if we can truly grasp this, it will change how we live here on earth. It will change everything. Change how you live, but it will also help solve a lot of the problems that you and I face. In fact, this is the solution to a lot of what you're going through right now, and it's simply this. There is more to this life than this life. Well, that's deep. God's calling right now. <laughs> There's more to this life than this life. <laughs> I mean, think about it. It doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. It, it's in songs. It's in books. It's, it's talked about. People know about it. It's in movies, even cartoons, right? And the Bible uses it as a motivation for generosity, uses it for what's next. And that's the topic of this, heaven heaven. You know, one day you and I are going to stand face to face before God. You're either really excited right now or you're really worried about it. (laughs) We are. One day we're going to stand before God. We all have this opportunity on earth right now, what the Bible calls a mist, a vapor, a breath, this very small window of time. You know, Billy Graham said it this way, life is just a schoolroom with a glorious opportunity to prepare for eternity. It's good. And during that time, we can live our lives in such a way that it makes a difference eternally forever. And all throughout Scripture, and if you study Scriptures about life and life change and making a difference, it usually begins with this motivation. It's that heaven is the reason we do it. You know, heaven isn't a topic that we talk about a lot or even think about a lot, usually until we lose someone. Been lucky enough to be in I shouldn't say lucky enough. I'm privileged to have been in ministry now for about 20-ish, plus or minus years, somewhere in there. And, you know, you get to walk through a lot of exciting things, right? It's, it's family. You're doing life with church family. So you get to celebrate the weddings and the, the babies and the raises and all these new jobs. You know, all these exciting things. You get to celebrate that. But you know what? You often have to walk through the tough things, the crisis, the loss, the hurt, the pain, death. And let me just say it's an honor 
Our pastoral team considers it an honor to be able to walk through those things with you. The good, the bad, the hard, all that. Because we're family, we're in this together. But when there's loss, there's a very, very big difference when that person or that family um, no, no, has the hope of Jesus. Right? You, you know that there's a big difference with that. Some of you might know my story a little bit. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but when we first moved here, um, we had, it was about six years ago, my father came to visit. And he wasn't, you could tell he wasn't doing real good. There was just wasn't a normal self. And when he was going to go back to North Carolina, he decided to schedule some tests. And come to find out, he had cancer. Uh, and it was, it was really bad. Doctors told him he had about a year uh, to live. And I remember asking my dad, like, so what are you going to do about the treatment? Like, what, what, is that, what does that look like? Um, and so this is what he said to me. He's like, his response was this, I'm ready to see Jesus. I'm ready to see Jesus. He, he wasn't worried. He, he knew that there was more to this life than this life. My dad had a hope. He knew that it wasn't just about the now, but it was about the future. And you, you might feel that sting right now. You might be walking through things that, that hurt, that pain, that loss. You've experienced those things, but you can be as prepared for it as you want to be, but you can never be fully prepared for it. But when we have this hope that we know what they're going, it's called the blessed hope, knowing that we will see them again another day. And if they had the chance to come back, my dad would be like, no way, son, I'm good. I can't wait to see you. It's good up here, right? You can say the same thing about family members that you know. Just knowing that you have this hope of eternal life, and when you have that hope, it will change everything. It'll change how you live on earth. It'll change your perspective on earth. You know, studies show that 90%, 96% of people believe that there is an afterlife. But they believe it because God has put eternity on their hearts. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says that he has set eternity on the hearts of man. So it makes sense that Jesus and the New Testament writers in the Bible often uses this, uses heaven, uses eternity as another place of motivation. So here's what I want to give you today. That there is a life beyond this life, and you will want to invest more into it in every single way. My job as a pastor is to prepare you for that other life, and I want to do that today. I want to help you see how important it is to invest in the life that is to come, and this is why we're believing for the now, but we also know there's a next. We know that there is a future. We are living in a present age, but there is a coming age that you need to be ready for. There is a future that we are called to point people to. So what does this look like? How do we direct our life towards eternity? Why, why should we even live with the end in mind? Why should our time, our energy, our money, our resources, our attitudes be directed towards eternity? It's because heaven, not earth, is my home. Like, I really don't live here. You really don't live here. You're just passing through. <clears throat> you know, one of the healthiest things that I could ever give you as a pastor, maybe a pastoral thing in this moment, is tell you, hey... I know it's tough. Jesus promised it would be. That's not what you wanted to come to Sunday for, right? It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult, but hang in there. You're not living here anyway. You're just passing through. In John 14, in the first six verses, the disciples, they're, they're depressed and discouraged. And it's very interesting what, what Jesus says to them. He says, don't let your lives be troubled. Don't be depressed. Now, you'd think the next thing's going to be because Jesus, who he is, that he's going to be like, come on, fellas, I'm going to lay hands on you. Everything's going to be great. 
No, he says, don't be depressed. Don't be discouraged. Come and go with me to my father's house. Come and go with me. It's a big, big house. Anybody? Okay. No 90s? All right. Great. You didn't grow up in church. Good for you. That's where the song came from, in case you're wondering. It actually says, don't be depressed. Don't be discouraged. In my father's house, there are many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So when I get there, you can be with me too. Every time we come to God with an earthly problem, he redirects it to an eternal solution. Because the real solutions of your life are not here, they are there. Remember, you are just passing through, and we will continue to pray and believe your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and God does intervene on earth, but the real solution to your life is eternal. And a lot of us, we don't see it that way because our lives are too blindingly good. Everything is great. Everything is awesome until something bad happens. Then we get a little more excited about heaven. My grandparents were very excited about heaven, right? They were in the Great Depression, World War II, all that. They were a part of like not having running water or electricity in their house, right? They got frostbite going to the bathroom. No wonder they were ready to go to heaven all the time, right? They, just those things were tough. They were always ready to go. But the better you have it, the more you think that what you have is all there is. But that's not true. It's not. Paul says this. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. So another reason why you need to refocus your energies, your passion, all that, focus all that towards eternity is because the line is longer than the dot. The line is longer than the dot. We are living in the dot. Here, let me show you. We are living in the dot. This is you. This is eternity. There's a big difference in the line and the dot. So it only makes sense that you wouldn't pour everything into the dot, but that you would pour everything into the line. You know, the Bible praises people who live this way. It's in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. You've got different men and women that, man, some people did some really awesome things. And then you, got, you start reading it and you're like, man, some of these people, I don't know, they kind of messed up, right? You think about Hebrews 11 has got Moses. Moses was going to take everybody to the promised land, but guess who didn't get to go? Moses. You know why? He pitched a fit. <laughs> God told him to tap on this rock and he ended up whooping up on the rock. He probably should have been whooping up on one of his sons or something. I don't know. He had a bad attitude. I don't know. But he took it out on the rock and he didn't get to go. He got to see the promised land from a mountain. That's, ugh. that's faith. Come on. Right. Samson. What about Samson? Man, <laughs> you know, Samson, he didn't follow God's leading. He didn't follow God's, God's calling, but God ended up redeeming it all. So even in Hebrews 11, 11 this, this list, some people worked it out on earth and some people didn't, but it says they were all commended for their faith. Why? Why were they commended for their faith? People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for a true home. They were after a far better country than that, heaven country. Listen, y'all, I'm from North Carolina, and I'm a redneck. You might not know it. Heaven country sounds amazing. Land, fields, hunting, fishing, four-wheelers. Yeehaw, baby. Heaven country. Where are my country folks at? I know we got some of Scott's edition. You're just pretending. There we go. See? Heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city 
waiting for them. They all had focused on another life, another home. And if we're all honest with ourselves, many of us don't like the topic of this because we have convinced ourselves that this life here on earth is better than heaven. But it's not true. There's some bad teachings on, on heaven, right? Many of us have heard like you're going to be this fat cherub wearing a diaper, playing a harp, floating on a cloud, like shoot arrows, help people fall in love. Like that's not true. That doesn't sound like heaven. That sounds more like hell. <laughs> but listen, we have to know that, that heaven is better, right? Scripture teaches that he's making a new heaven and a new earth, a perfect earth, perfect weather, which means it won't be like Virginia, It'll be perfect, right? Perfect everything. It says that the lion and the lamb lay next to each other. You know the lion is a meat eater. The lamb is meat. They're laying next to each other. He's like, that's this purr. Come here, baby, right? He's loving on the lamb, however you want to do it, you know? They're laying next to each other. Man, perfect earth. No traffic on 95. Krispy Kreme hot and loud is always on 24 hours a day. No carbs, no calories. Everything you eat turns into muscle, right? Ample parking in a church parking lot. How's that sound? For heaven. You got to know that heaven is better. We got to have a better viewpoint of heaven. Because there's limited time and incredible opportunity. I love this because every one of us on earth has limited time and every one of us has different opportunities. You and I, the person sitting in front of you or behind you, next to you, your family, your kids, your friends, we all have different opportunities. You know, you have been strategically placed where you are for a reason. You might be wondering, why, why am I in this job? Why am I doing this? I believe that you have been strategically placed for a reason. And if you can begin to see it through the, uh, the lens of eternity, you will realize that you have incredible opportunities all around you. But there's limited time that means we can't wait. It's like the great poet said, look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? You only got one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a life. I know Scott's edition. I know you guys were yelling it. Yeah. We can tell who didn't grow up in church. All right. I can tell from the first song to this one. Our prayer team will be available afterwards at both locations. Just kidding. Listen, there has never been a better time in the history of our church that we have more opportunities. And that's a fact. This is why we are doing next because people are our heart and Jesus is our message. There are people all over our city that need Jesus. There are people moving to our city. There are family members that live close by that need Jesus. We are responding to a move of God, right? We're building, we're adding on in Midlothian, not for fun, but because we need to. Man, I think about the life change, the revival happening in Chesterfield County Jail. Men and women, we love you guys. You're awesome. Man, it's awesome to see what's going on. Man, God's doing something. Chapel in Espanol. What? Come on. I'm telling you, God's doing something. Man, Scott's edition, this time last year, we went to two services, and now we're trying to decide when are we going to three services, right? So God's moving there. What about the Department of Corrections? 42 facilities. 42. Men and women of Department of Corrections, we love you. It's an honor to get to do church and life with you. We are responding to a move of God. We're responding to a move of God. You have neighbors Friends, family, coworkers, you have people in your pond of influence that only you can impact. 
And this either excites you or it scares you. This is why in the coming years we're going to open more campuses. This is why Chapel Kids and Chapel Students is so important. Did you know that 94% of people who say they made a decision for Jesus said they made it before they were 18 years old? 94%. If that excites you, join me at Growth Track right after this service. Chapel Kids is awaiting you, right? Let's, let's be a part of it. Let's do everything we can you know, for that and as little as we can for us. Let's figure out how to redirect our, much of our life that we can. The dot is small. The line is long. There's more to this life than this life. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. But we live in opportunistic days, days where God has uniquely blessed us. And on a more serious note, to whom much is given, much is required. And I know our team feels that. God has blessed us in a very unique way, but I don't, I don't think we're special. I think we're blessed. God's doing something in the life of our church. But with that comes great responsibility. You know, Jesus used this. It's really kind of at the, the core of all of this. This is what Jesus said. Do not store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Right? This is at the core. This is at the center of the Bible. Your heart, your treasure, wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be. You could switch it and say where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. So I want to give you just a few ways that we can apply ourselves to this. First thing is give yourself to God. Give yourself to God. This is why I want people to come and know God. It's, it's the first step. But when we come to God, he, he doesn't want just a portion or a percentage. He wants it all. He wants all of you. It's not, a, it's not a one and done. It's a continual effort. Every single day saying, God, I give you all of me. Newsflash, God never asks for your stuff. He's asking for you. He's asking for you. John Bonnell said this. The, if one first gives himself to the Lord... All other giving is easy because you now realize I don't even belong to me. I'm yours, right? Not just a portion of me is yours. Everything I have, my family, my kids, my job, my possessions. You know, it's really hard to hang on to something with an open hand. That's why we daily give it to God. It's, it's a reminder of I'm not holding on to my things. I want to hold on to you. That's what we need to hold on to is hold on to God. An open hand also means that we can receive and give. Give yourself fully to God. Not parts, not portions, but all. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Hey, those of you that are getting baptized, now is your chance. This is my winking cue for you to go. Uh, go on, get ready. Can you, church, can we help give it up for those that are getting baptized today? Come on. Man, we're excited for you. Second thing is act like a steward, not an owner. You manage not just a portion, you manage it all on his behalf. Your life, your time, your family, your house, your car, your ideas. You're supposed to manage it knowing that it all belongs to God. You know about 70% of the New Testament is about stewardship, stewarding your gifts, your abilities, your resources. And as a steward, we say, Lord, what would you have me do with what I've been given? Lord, tell me, have your way. Not, not my will, but yours be done. 
been looking for a new verse for your fridge, this is it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. If you've ever been wondering what's the Lord's, it's everything. Everything you have, everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You know, Brandy and I, uh, with Jonah and Jada, went to Thailand uh, many years back. We were there for three months. And we had just kind of gotten into the country, and uh, we were working with a missionary family there. And he gave me the keys to his new Toyota Hilux. It's a truck that they make overseas. They don't make it here, but imagine a Toyota Tundra and a Tacoma had a family. It'd be the Toyota Hilux. It was awesome. White, it was four-door. We had only been there like a day or so, and he gave me the keys. He's like, hey, man, anything you guys need, just go for it. And I'm like, wow. Like, you know, the steering wheel's on the other side. They drive on the other side. And in my mind, I'm selfish. So I'm like, this guy is dumb. Handing me keys to his car. But I'm like, oh, man, you know, really don't do that. Like, that's crazy. Like, I, you know, I don't want to mess it up. He's like, man, no, you take it. Anything you need, just take it, use it. I remember what he said is something that it stuck with me. It still has. As he said, man, it's, it's fine. It's, it's all God's anyways. I'm just a steward. But what if we lived our life that everything we had, we were just stewards? We'd probably be a lot more generous with our stuff. We wouldn't be like me thinking, that guy's an idiot. What is he doing? But be a steward of our stuff. So we're going to give ourselves to God. We're going to act like a steward and not an owner. And then we're going to view everything through the lens of eternity. The conversations that you have, the, that, you're, that you feel like might be nothing or pointless, the interactions you have at the grocery store or at the coffee shop or in the car or, you know, when you go out to, to lunch sometime, whatever it is, every single thing, when we, when we do that, when we view those conversations through a lens of eternity, we're going to realize how important they are. To quote one of the greatest movies of all time, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we say, what, those conversations. When you change the lens, everything changes. Anybody ever been to the eye doctor before? Great, just me. You know, they put this uh, thing over your face, you know, the machine-looking thing. It's a four-opter, I think is what it's called. It's a fun fact that they have been using it for 100 years, and they haven't come up with anything better than that, so it's kind of cool. So they put that thing over your eyes, and, they're, you know, they click it, like, one, two, two, one. Like they're doing all that stuff to get things set right. And they put the letters and numbers up on the wall. And, right, you start reading it, and then they're like, can you read this line? Yeah. And then you get lower and lower. Pretty soon you're like, I've got eagle vision. Right, I can see six miles away. Like you're reading the lowest line. And then they move it away, and you don't see any of it. You, don't, you can't even read any letters on the wall. You're like, where did the eagle go? Right? You realize that you can't see. Listen, we need to live every single day through the lens of eternity because when the lenses are set right, you'll see differently. When the lenses on your, of your life are set on eternity, those conversations are going to change. Your job is going to change. Your role as a, as a husband or a father or mother, all, all that, everything is going to change when you get your lens set right. That's what we need to do is to get our lens set right. Hebrews said, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ of greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses, my man could have stayed in Egypt and lived it up. 
He could have had it made. He could have lived lavishly, but he chose to look ahead. He chose to look at what is next, looking ahead to his reward. You know, there's a game that we played with our kids a lot, with them growing up, and I might say the name of this game, and it might cause anxiety right away, but anybody ever played Monopoly? Yeah, you're thinking about all those games right now. You know, Monopoly, you want to acquire. You want to buy up stuff. You want to get that wealth, right? You know, you want to get all the railroads and... You know, you got Park Avenue, you know, all, all that little area. And, you know, our family kind of had our own rules in a certain way, which wasn't the best idea probably. But, you know, we skipped buying the houses. You could go straight to buying hotels, right? So when somebody came around and landed on your Park Avenue with like four hotels, it would drain them, right? I loved to destroy my kids in this game. <laughs> Passionately. Listen, let me tell you this. There is a season where you can crush your kids in games and then it's over. So you need to take all the opportunity while you can to crush them because it's building good character in them. I'm sure my kids are going to be in counseling because of Monopoly. But there may or may not have been people like swiping boards, <laughs> yelling, right? I, I destroyed them like emotionally, you know, psychologically, everything, right? Just crushed them. They'd land on something. Sometimes I was super generous. So I'm like, you can keep a dollar. Stay in the game. <laughs> Right? And my stacks of cash, hotels. I'm like, give me all your hotels, you know, whatever, whatever it was. Man, Mayor Man, it might have been one of them that would run up the stairs and yell, I'll never play this stupid game again. They still played it, still crushed them. But you know, there's a very valuable lesson in the game of Monopoly that no matter what I had, no matter what I acquired, no matter what I built, in the end, it all goes back in the box. The houses, the hotels, stacks of cash. Think about us. No matter what we have, no matter what we build, what we have right now in our possession, our house, maybe, maybe our body, whatever it is that, you wanna, that you've made important, it all goes back in the box. Every single thing goes back in the box. So we need to ask ourselves this question, and what really matters? What really matters? Because everything we hang on to, everything we hoard, all of it, in the end, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. We need to begin to live in light of eternity. We need to begin to live with eternity on our hearts. Our greatest investment is what we invest in eternity. The line. It's not the dot. It's the line. We need to live every single day through the lens of of eternity. You will see people differently. You will walk differently. You will go to work, to school, to church. Every situation you're in, when you see through the lens of eternity, everything will change. Can I pray for us? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you love us, that you're for us. God, I pray that today our lenses would change that we would be able to see clearly, that we would be able to look through the eyes of eternity, that as we leave this place, we would, maybe there's family, maybe there's friends, even the conversations we're going to have today, that we would begin to look through the lens of eternity. We thank you for the way that you love us, for the way that you care for us. God, we thank you for what you're doing in the life of this church. God, we're thankful for the now, and we're excited and expectant for what's next. God, thank you that we are a part of a move of God. We're grateful. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Church, would you stand up with me? We're gonna get ready to go to baptism in just a second. Scott's edition, love you. I'm gonna turn it over to you. It's been great getting to be with you. Guys, so we're gonna go into a little worship, but have some baptisms here. And let me tell you this, I know you probably heard it, but man, when we celebrate, no golf claps allowed, right? You, you need to sell, this is your family getting baptized. These are people that life changes happen on the inside and now they're going public with it. So when somebody gets baptized, man, I wanna, we need to raise the roof. We gotta clap, yell, scream, let's go for it, but let's celebrate some baptisms.